Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary. We're doing this week of mini podcasts to survey, to make some recommendations, and to talk about the cultural offerings of 2021 that um, impressed us or that maybe we didn't like so much, whatever. That's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to entertain you this week. We're not talking politics. We're talking culture. Today, we're going to talk about television and streaming. And with me to do so, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Okay, so there are now 257,000 television series a year on 283,000 streaming channels and five networks. So there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to consume. There was a lot to watch. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, and, uh, so I, we're, we're trying to zero in on, you know, just a couple. Uh, so who wants to go first? I am going to, I'm going to designate Christine as our opener opening on the, what should people watch or what should they not watch, uh, from the offerings of 2021. Okay. I have a, uh, um, a kind of a weird, it might seem like a weird choice, but I'm going to explain it briefly. Uh, I picked The Righteous Gemstones, which is a series uh, on, it's on streaming on HBO Max. I think it actually came out in 2019. I saw it uh, in uh, basically in the over the past year because I hadn't heard about it, didn't know much about it. Uh, shout out to my friend Matt Labash who told me about it. Um, and the reason he told me about it is that he knew I grew up in a in a culture that was a very fundamentalist Christian and very uh, into the whole uh, televangelist. <laughs> world, right? So in the 1980s, you know, the sort of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, this is a Danny McBride uh, series that is hilarious. It's about uh, a family, the righteous gemstones. The gemstones are a family. They run a mega church. The patriarch is played by John Goodman. Danny McBride is this is the oldest son who's supposed to inherit his mantle. There's a there's a daughter, Judy Gemstone, who's played by Edie Patterson. And Adam Devine plays uh, Kelvin, the young, hip sort of youth pastor type, you know, uh, uh, Christian televangelist type. And it's all about their crazy family. It's really a story of a family. But it's set in this world, which I think a lot of uh, uh, Americans might not be familiar with, which is the megachurch world, the sort of branding of Christianity. And, and it's done with a lot of dark humor um, and certainly kind of delves into the hypocrisies of, of some of the people who inhabit this world. But mainly it's got Danny McBride. It's also got uh, just just wonderful acting, interesting um, uh plot twists and whatnot, uh, a younger uh, a sort of a, a, an uncle shows up late in the first season. I loved it. It's very weird and quirky. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But if you like Danny McBride, if you've seen Vice Principals and loved it, like he's just I love his sense of humor. So that's why I enjoyed it. It's on HBO Max. That's what I recommend. I will also say thanks to all the urging of you guys and some other friends. I finally have watched The Sopranos. So obviously I'm you know only decades late to that. But clearly everyone, the hype was real about that show, too. So. Those are my recommendations. So I am not crazy about Danny McBride or the Righteous Gemstones, but I do want to give a shout out to someone who's on the Righteous Gemstones, Walton Goggins. So Walton yes, Goggins yes. plays a rival uh, televangelist, I believe. And um, Walton Goggins gives what may be my favorite performance of the last 15 years on television uh, on the show Justified, which if you haven't seen it, I... I it was on FX, so I don't know where it's streaming. It's a six-season uh, show about a, um, uh, a U.S. marshal in Hazard in, in Hazard County, Kentucky, 
uh, played by Timothy Oliphant, who is himself absolutely fantastic. And Walton Goggins is maybe the single best villain, layered, complicated, amusing, brilliant, also a televangelist, actually, on, on just starts out as a kind of uh, itinerant con man preacher who was also a meth dealer. Uh, the show is mostly about meth and about about drug dealing in this, you know, horrible rural county. But the, the county is not horrible, but the conditions under which people live are horrible before the opioid epidemic. Uh, and, uh, and though it, it could easily have just been repurposed to that. And if you haven't seen Justified, you are in for a huge treat. And there is Walton Goggins. And if you if you share Christine's uh, affection, enthusiasm for Danny McBride material, the Righteous Gemstones is what one more crazy. Walton Goggins plug just to show his range. He also uh, over pandemic again. I can't remember if it was 20, 2020 or 2021. Did a did a CBS sitcom called The Unicorn about a about a widower who's raising his daughters. And he was brilliant in that, too. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Goggins fan girl. But yeah. yeah, he's he was brilliant in that, too. Right. OK, Abe, what do you what do you have to tell the people about? I'm going very, very light. I'm, I'm picking a. a light pleasure that has um, tickled me throughout the year. And it is, it is uh, from uh, 2021. So light, it is, it's like a paper airplane. And uh, this is the comedy Acapulco on Apple TV. Uh, and part of why I'm, I'm going with this one is because you probably won't hear other people recommending it because it hasn't made a very big splash and it hasn't been renewed for its second season yet. So if you go watch it, hopefully that'll help. Um, it is a sort of a coming of age, not sort of, it's a coming of age comedy that takes place primarily in the 80s at a at a beachside resort in Acapulco where a 20-something, although they kind of seem like teens, a 20-something local kid and his friend get a job. Uh, it's their dream job to work at this resort. And uh, they sort of work there. It's, you get every indication that they're working their way up. Each episode uh, starts off with uh, that kid in his, in the present day now is a man in his 60s or 50s or something, uh, sort of, and he's he's become some sort of um, uh, massive business business magnate, and he's relaying these tales of his days working at this resort in Acapulco. He's relaying them to his nephew. Um, it's just charming. Uh, it's overwhelmingly in English. There's a little bit of it in Spanish, but it's done uh, very lightly. It's not. It's, it's you know, there, there's no sort of point being made, although the, the, the show is is PC, but it's funny. It's cute. You fall in love with the characters. The the main character, Maximo, is is played by uh, someone named Enrique Arizona, I believe I'm maybe I'm uh, mispronouncing it. Um, it's it's very reminiscent of a show that John and I loved from a few years back called Red Oaks, which was also a coming of age story uh, that took place at a country club in the 80s, I believe in, in was it New Jersey, John? New Jersey, yeah. yeah Jewish country yeah. club in New Jersey. This is right. like a Mexican resort in Acapulco. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, a, lot, a, lot of, a, a lot of ethnic flavoring, let's say, or nationalist flavoring. Yeah. Um, Red Oaks is amazing. It's on Amazon. If you haven't seen it, 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 it was one of the best cultural offerings of the early streaming era. There are three seasons of it. Interestingly about Acapulco, uh, it is the work uh, of a guy you've never heard of who is among the most successful people in international worldwide show business. His name is Eugenio Derbez, um, and he is a Mexican-American comedian. 
um, who has made movies that you've never heard of that make $250 million worldwide, like How to Be a Latin Lover, of which this is some kind of prequel, um, uh, and, and, and various other things. Uh, it's interesting because he's not really funny. He's not like a Jim Carrey type. He's very kind. Of, he plays the he plays the uh, the the older Maximo uh, at the beginning of each episode, and and he's charming, uh, but he's not that interesting a performer. But for some reason, he really hit the sweet spot and has a sort of creative eye for creating mass entertainment that is very pleasing uh, to 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 a lot of people. And yeah, it's a it's a I think I think it's a a great choice. Uh, and by the way, resort shows you can't sort of be at a resort show like we have. Red Oaks, we have this, and then there was White Lotus on 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 HBO and HBO Max, which is a complicated show because it's a very 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 dark and slow satirical comedy about privilege, about the world of of high privilege, and how the privilege not only misbehave but how even in their wokeness they tend to destroy lives that they that they're trying to save or 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 improve um it's a very mike white the kind of peerless dark satirist uh it's a six episode series and um but it's just like set at a fancy resort and you just there's lots of shots of the ocean they're in the pool they're having dinner in the dining i i just don't know how you don't like a good resort show or a country club show. There's just something very relaxing about them. I, I I don't even understand it. Okay, Noah, what do you got? I don't know how you found anything to relax to with White Lotus. It was just tension, constant there was a, tension. They were yeah, but then there's then there's that everything up. Hawaiian music. It's like with the ukuleles and the and the and the harmonies and well, but you're right. It's that was the contrast, tension. I suppose. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm, my 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 pick is complicated because. It's not a good show, but I, <laughs> but I like it anyway. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I'm going to do Netflix's The Witcher. Um, the first season came out in 2019. Uh, it is based on a series of books by Andre Spakowski. It's uh, Henry Cavill plays the lead character, and he delivers a stilted performance in part because the character is designed to be stilted. It's a very interesting uh, sort of late medieval fantasy world about a... Uh, a, a mutated person who's part of this guild that is uh, tasked with hunting and killing monsters for money. Um, pretty simple plot line, but nevertheless draws very heavily from Central and Eastern European mythology, and that's very interesting. And when I started watch this in late 2020, and I began to you know dive into it a little bit, and I discovered that this series of books had been translated into. Uh, three very comprehensive role-playing video games. Um, and I play video games. And so I decided to download one of these, the latest in the series, which came out in 2015, the third in an installment. And it was a, a very interesting, immersive experience into this series of uh, books. I probably devoted like 30 hours to, to this, to this uh, storyline and, <clears throat> and the, the universe that is built around it. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to pick up the books now. So I'm picking up the books. I didn't want to bring this to the book podcast because I'm only one book into this eight book series. Um, but it's um, uh, fascinating and very, very well done because of the, the dialogue flows very well. When you get into these really immersive fantasy world storylines, they can become a, a, just an absolute slog because the amount of exposition that you need to, to establish in order to create this universe is just biblical in scope. 
and it can lose you really quickly. Um, but the way these are written, uh, uh, Andrei uh, Sapkowski, who, who's the author, um, did it in a way that it just, it flows effortlessly and the dialogue is actually very compelling. Uh, so I, I highly recommend this multimedia experience, the television show, the video games, the books. It's gonna take you about 80 to 120 hours to catch up on all this stuff. What a selling point. What a selling point there. <laughs> you could only enjoy this. You have to do the work, John. You have to do the work. It's not do that the work, good. Right. It's a huge hit, by the way, The Witcher. Huge international hit. I mean, the show is good. It's not bad. I mean, it's absolutely, it's captivating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the books are obviously better, but um, they take a lot of liberties in the way the characters are, are designed. This, the, the female lead characters, some of this... Uh, woman named Jennifer who's supposed to be absolutely stunningly gorgeous like the uh, ravishing beauty that just absolutely floors you and the way they establish that in the show is to just keep calling her beautiful because the character herself isn't really all that beautiful <laughs> there we go okay so that's the witcher so I'm gonna go with three shows uh and again I'm I'm very mixed on them but um but I watch them and I'm very compelled by them and one of them is is, is brand new and what 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 unites them is their writer, director, creator, Taylor Sheridan. So Taylor Sheridan, known for uh, writing Sicario, known for uh, writing uh, Hell and High Water, Hell or High Water, the amazing bank heist uh, movie with Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges uh, and Ben Foster from 2016, one of the best American movies of the last 10 years about a, 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 a brothers who rob. Uh, banks uh, in uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and um, and he then created Yellowstone, the series uh, that is the sensation of our moment. Uh, you know, with uh, 14, 15 million people are watching it every week. Um, it, it and uh, it's now in its fourth season. Yellowstone is absolutely bananas. So I think the idea originally was it was going to be like a Sopranos on. You know, Sopranos in Montana or Wyoming. I can't remember which state it is. I'm embarrassed to say that. But um, basically a ranch that is run like a, a mafia gang in which uh, people are sort of made men. You get made on this ranch by getting branded with the brand of the Yellowstone on your chest. Uh, nobody lives in, in these states, but uh, tens of thousands of people are killed every episode on the show between... Uh, fights between Native Americans and and uh, and gangsters and real estate tycoons and everything like that. Kevin Costner is the star, and it's a sort of family drama, a lot of tension in the family. Um, but it's very compelling, and you can understand why it is that people like it and like to watch it because it's a story about American man, a non-urban American manhood, and the fights therein. And the basic subject of Yellowstone is. Who owns the country? I mean, the fight there specifically is between a Native American tribe whose land was expropriated 120 years ago and is coming up with interesting schemes and schemata to try to get rest control of this giant ranch from the family that seized it from them 140 years ago. Um, and so, uh, but you sort of understand why everybody wants the piece of this that they want and are the new developers going to come in and seize it from both of them and it is very compelling and and Sheridan who wrote has written every episode from what I can tell and directed a lot of them has now written and directed two other series in the same universe one a prequel which just started this week called 1883 excuse me 
and won a show called Mayor of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown in 1883 on Paramount Plus. Yellowstone is on the Paramount Network, which you can get on your basic cable. <coughs> I'm sorry. So uh, 1883, which is now in two episodes, features the amazing Tim McGraw, the country singer, who has intermittently over the last 20 years given really jewel-like small supporting performances in, in movies, mostly ones made by the director Peter Berg in Friday Night Lights, where he played an abusive father in The Kingdom, uh, which is about, you know, a, 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 a kind of a special forces squad um, where uh, I, I can't remember who he played in that. He's like just given these beautiful little performances and it was like he should have been a movie star, but it actually like he made too much money touring. Literally, he made it was too it was it was an opportunity cost for him to do too much acting. But he is sensationally good in this his first series, which in which he co-stars with his wife, Faith Hill, the other another country superstar. And it's about the origins of the family that started the Yellowstone Ranch. And it begins in uh, Fort Worth, Texas in 1883, which is like hell on earth, a sort of like, you know, a frontier saloon town in which. People are literally hanging each other, you know, in the streets with no one stopping them because somebody picked somebody else's pocket, that kind of thing. Anyway, it's really good. And the other series, which is unrelated, but in the same, as they people say now, the, the Taylor Sheridan verse is called Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner, which is, a, which is another Sopranos-y weird show and very dark, like maybe the darkest show I've ever seen in some ways. Uh, and Abe's watching it, so he can talk a little bit about this, about a, a fixer in a town in Michigan where there are seven prisons and somebody on the outside who is not a cop, nor an FBI agent, nor a member of a gang, nor a member of the prison system. Uh, he and his brother are there to kind of mediate between all the warring factions in town to try to keep the peace in the prison and on the streets. And they try and they fail constantly um and it is very bleak but it is for some reason extraordinarily compelling and jeremy renner who was also right now on hawkeye on 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 disney plus uh, last episode which is out at these last couple of weeks is just a fantastic actor and he was in wind river which was another taylor Sheridan movie he is just great he's great in both he's great in this and uh, I don't like the, I can't say I like these shows exactly. I mean, and they're also very woke. They're very left-wing. I just want to warn you about that. Like people are saying that Yellowstone is, you know, is an antidote to, you know, political correctness. It is insanely politically correct. The, 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 the Native Americans are, are here. Whatever the Native Americans do is justified. Whatever the white people do is not justified. All the white people are animals. All the Native Americans are kind of, you know, wonderfully Machiavellian and sympathetic. And um, the same is kind of true in, in Mayor of Kingstown, where Diane Weiss, the Academy Award-winning actress, plays a teacher in these schools. And for some reason, in these schools in Northern Michigan, all she talks about is the expropriation of Native American lands uh, in a schoolroom with these, I, I don't know, she's just sort of delivering a lecture on on the terrors and horrors of America, which is very annoying. Um, but um, but it's it's a, a unique kind of vision, a kind of unique Taylor Sheridan vision of things. Abe, what do you make of Mayor of Kingstown? I'm going to push back on you. Okay. I have, I've watched about four episodes and uh, I, I may have given up. You're done. Okay. Um, what's interesting that you, to me about your liking the show or, or you are appreciating the show as you do is that 
you who have objected to the premise of, say, uh, Ted Lasso for being unrealistic. Yeah. The Mayor of Kingstown premise is, is to me so wholly unrealistic as to sort of get in the way of my enjoyment. The idea that there would be this disinterested peacekeeper among all the forces of the criminal forces and law enforcement, and that he can sort of reign with this absolute power, um, I, I, I find implausible to the point of, 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 of um, sort of losing my interest. Look, fair enough. Look, Yellowstone is insanely implausible. I mean, I, the body count in Yellowstone is literally half the people in the Pacific Northwest have been killed in Yellowstone and no one has ever been arrested for any death as far as I can tell. Like people are shooting each other and then they're dumping them in the river and no one ever finds the body or they set them on fire somewhere. They take, they drag them into the, onto the native American reservation so that they they're, they're beyond the reach of Western of, of, you know, American law enforcement. People are blowing people's buildings up. People are getting stabbed and raped and this, and no one ever, <laughs> sees a moment's uh you know justice but um this is a frankly melodramatic vision right this is a kind of nightmarish version of life and so once you kind of go into it, it 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 doesn't really demand of you that you believe in its credibility now i don't know when i say that i found ted lasso implausible because an american soccer coach an American football coach would never be hired to run a British soccer team. What I mean by that is you're still supposed to sort of believe that this is taking place in an observable universe. When you enter a show like Ellis or something like that, you're not really, it's kind of an alternate universe a little bit. And Mayor of Kingstown's kind of an alternate universe a little bit. Like, as you say, where, where there is this kind of strange, non-existent third power force. But if you can't buy it, if you can't suspend your disbelief that you're, you're totally right. Like there's no, I, there, I can't argue you out of that. If you're either, you're either in it or you're not. Whereas of course, the thing about the Sopranos was it was, and why the Sopranos stands head and shoulders above all these things and, and breaking bad in the, is that they were totally plausible. Like it's not that they were documentary. You wouldn't have thought that they were do documentary versions, but even within their own terms, you had, you had no doubt that what you were seeing could reasonably happen in the world in which you live and you could drive through their neighborhoods you could eat in the same places that they were eating you saw people like this on the real housewives of new jersey and that kind of thing and so they they did have a they there was a real there was a reality to it that that obviously this taylor sheridan stuff lacks i i don't hate mayor of kingstown by the way i just i just i'm not sure that it, it has gripped me enough where i, I want to invest uh, you know, my time in, in watching the rest of it. But the other issue I have with this, and this may just be me, because this yeah. is something I have in like, when I watch any Bond movie, for example, um, I sort of can't follow the schemes a lot. Huh. Right. Uh, you, you know, like there's all these things going on with gangs and letters, and this one has power of that one. And I'm like, I don't I don't really understand the play that that right. that he's making at any given point. So I'm I, I don't really know what I'm what I'm invested in. Right. Well, that, of course, is not a really a problem in Bond movies because it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, all, all the Bond movie plots are is just establishing sort of pre you know preconditions for the chase scene or the lair that has to be escaped from or something. It sort of doesn't matter what the plot 
what the MacGuffin is. And obviously in a show like mayor of Kingstown, it does matter. And I, I, okay, fair enough. Um, so, uh, so we got the Witcher, we got the righteous gemstones. We've got the Taylor Sheridan. Show. Oh, but by the way, let me just go back to 1883 for a minute. So it's on Paramount plus there are two episodes and uh, maybe three episodes by the time you hear this up. Um, it is beautiful to look at. It is a it is a hard line old time Western set in 1883. I haven't seen a show like this in a long time. It's like Lonesome Dove, only a little bleaker because it's also about a it's it's sort of about a, um, a a cattle drive, but it's mostly an immigrant drive They're The 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 lead character played by Tim McGraw and Sam Elliott and all this are actually driving a bunch of German immigrants from Fort Worth up to the Oregon territories so that they can stake claim to land. And the, and the immigrants have no idea what they've gotten into. They don't know how to ride. They don't know how to shoot. They're about to go into Indian territory. They're drinking cholera filled water and dying on the way. And it's a kind of, you know, view of you know the nasty brutish and short world of the of the of of the of the antinomian west of the of the 1880s and i i i think it may be it may end up being the best of these shows it's well worth this is something you can just start watching now because it just started so you don't have to feel like noah that you have to watch 120 hours to really get the full effect of it like i still haven't watched the wire because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm 96 hours behind and like I have, you know, there's seven seasons. I never got to watch it at the time. And so every time I think about watching it, I feel defeated. I'm impressed, Christine, that you therefore got a chance to watch The Sopranos in that way, because I find that very oppressive. The idea that I'm, I'm like going down this endless road, you know, to get to the end. But people enjoy it, just not that's my neurosis. The journey. Yeah, that's the journey. But just be warned, if you start watching The Wire, you'll start cursing a lot. That's what I recall from when I, I watched already, The Wire. I, or, like, I already, suddenly I, already I was cursing a like a sailor. I, I blame The Wire. <laughs> okay, well, listen, everybody. So thank you very much. And we're doing these mini podcasts this week rather than taking the week off because I'm here to schnore. I'm here to ask you. I'm here to beg you to make commentary part of your end of year giving. Uh, look, we're a lean, mean institution. Eight full-time employees produce the magazine monthly, the website daily, and this podcast daily. Four of us and four other people, and that's it. That's all we got. That's it. Got nobody else. So that means that when you give us a dollar, that dollar is going right to what you want it to go to, which is to produce the things you read and listen to. And uh, we all do all the work. We got nobody else to help us, and we need your help. Uh, we need our subscribers help. We're wonderful. And if you don't subscribe, you should also subscribe. We need our donors help. We need our advertisers help and our donors help close our deficit every year. We're 76 years old. We want to be here another 76 years. Please give and give generously at www.commentary.org donate. I promise you that if you give us that money, we'll go to producing this podcast, the magazine and the, and the website. We're not spending it on food. We're not spending it on travel. We are spending it on giving you the content, word I hate more than anything, but the the analysis, the ideas, the literacy, the literature, the essays that, um, that I think uh, make commentary a unique and notable 
cultural institution in the United States. So please, again, www.commentary.org slash donate. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Uh, for Abe, Christina, Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.